Welcome to Hope Is Here, bringing hope to those struggling with life's difficult situations. Welcome to Hope Is Here. My name is Greg Horn, and I want to take a look at another one of Jesus' teammates today. We're going to take a look at Philip this week, and we've been looking at the team that Jesus put together. Uh, you know, my two favorite things are Jesus and sports, especially basketball and football and uh some of my favorite sports teams. I was a kid growing up, the Big Red Machine. They won back-to-back World Series, 1975-1976. Um, my Dallas Cowboys back in the 90s when they won a couple of Super Bowls. And obviously it's been a long drought the last 20-plus uh, years. <laughs> uh, it's painful. But the greatest team ever assembled, in my humble opinion, is the disciples, the 12 guys that Jesus chose to change the world. And 2,000 years later, we're still talking about them. I mean, I was trying to figure out how many Super Bowls the Chiefs had won if they were going for a three-peat. And obviously the Super Bowl have already been played by the time you watch this or, or listen to this also. And I'm not sure who's going to win. I hope it's the 49ers, but uh, we're recording this one in advance. But my point being is I couldn't remember – and I had to look, and Tampa Bay had won one uh, two years ago, kind of breaking up uh, the Chiefs there, winning Super Bowls. And so my point being is, I couldn't even remember who won the Super Bowl two years ago, but we're still talking about Jesus' team, the 12 guys that he chose over 2,000 years ago. And I love it because they were ordinary guys, just like you and just like me. They had their strengths. They had their weaknesses. And yet, um, I'm thankful that he chose ordinary people like you and me. He didn't go to the most religious places, the temples, the synagogues. He didn't go to uh, the universities going to get the most educated people. He didn't go meet with the wealthiest people, the business owners, and said, hey, I'd like to have you to be a part of my team because I know you can help financially with this cause. No, he chose ordinary people like you and me and simply said, come follow me. And they left behind everything. Uh, a couple of the brothers we talked about three weeks ago, James and John, I mean, their dad owned a fishing business. They're known as the sons of Zebedee. And yet they walked away from it to follow Jesus. And that's basically what I'm wanting to do this week, uh, or I'm sorry, last month in January, and we've been looking at here in February, just on Mondays and Tuesdays, looking at these 12 guys, I think the greatest team ever assembled. Maybe you're like, uh, man, I hope I never got, get on Jeopardy, and they asked me to name the 12 disciples, or for a million dollars, could you name the 12 disciples? But I want to help you out. Uh, Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 18 says that, that Jesus went up on a mountain, and he called the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him. He appointed 12 of them and called them his disciples. They were to accompany him and would send he Jesus would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. These are the 12 he chose. Simon, whom he named Peter, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, which we have known over the last 2,000 years now as Doubting Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. And a, a quote that we've been basing uh, as we've looked at this team, the 12 guys that Jesus chose, is by Brother Andrew. 
Now, that's not Andrew the missionary that we looked at the first week back in early January. Brother Andrew was a missionary in Europe that just did amazing things for God. And this quote that we've been basing this series off of, he said, The Bible is full of ordinary people who went to impossible places and did wondrous things simply because they decided to obey God. And friends, that's my whole goal in in looking at each of these 12 teammates of Jesus is that God can do wondrous things through us just like he did them simply because they obeyed. And that's one of the things I hope it stirs in your heart that, you know what, God can do wondrous things through me. And all it takes is for me to be simply obedient. One of the things that's interesting about Philip, you know, in the biblical list of the 12 disciples, which is in each of the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, they list the 12 disciples, but in each one of those lists, Philip is the fifth one on every list. So we think that that signifies that Philip was the leader of the second group of four. And so I think it's interesting, you know, basketball teams, you know, love basketball. Well, you got to have five players to play. Um, I think you can actually play technically with four if somebody fouls out, but normally you play with five, okay? And yet here's Philip. He was the last guy of the starting five, if you want to look at it in a sports analogy. But yet maybe he was kind of the leader of that second group of four. And he was also a fisherman. In fact, uh, we think that seven of the 12 guys that Jesus chose for his team were fishermen. So they obviously were hardworking guys. They were masculine guys. And once again, like I talked about, they may have been educated, may not have been, but they knew about hard work and uh, they lived a simple but hard life. And I'm thankful that Jesus chose them. Because, once again, that reminder that he takes people like you and I, ordinary people, and 2,000 years later, we're still talking about them as they changed the world. Philip's name in the Greek actually means lover of horses. So, you know what? Maybe we got some uh, Kentucky roots, (laughs) Uh, some relatives of Philip, possibly, here in the bluegrass. Philip uh, also had to probably had a Jewish name because all 12 of the disciples were Jewish, but his name is never given to us uh, in the Bible. And I want to remind you, you know, when they crucified Jesus, that they put a sign above his head on the cross there that said, King of the Jews. One thing, though, I do want to give you a disclaimer here. I want to make sure that we're careful not to confuse this Philip that was one of the disciples, one of Jesus' teammates, as with Philip, who was a church deacon, the man that we meet in Acts chapter 6, who became an evangelist and led the Ethiopian eunuch to accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. But let's look at these four verses in John chapter 1, verses 43 through 46. You've got your Bible. You can turn to that, or if you're driving, uh, I'll read those for us. John chapter 1, verses 43 through 46. It says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? 
I love Philip's response. He says, come and see for yourself. Now, I know that we're just looking at, you know, these three verses here, 43 through 46, and yet there were four things that I think we can learn from Philip, and we'll get through one, possibly two of those today, and then we'll look at the other two tomorrow. But the first one is, I want to ask you, do you remember when you were when you decided to follow Jesus and accept him as your Lord and as your Savior? You know, Philip, when he met Jesus the first time, he, he was excited, obviously. I mean, he told Nathaniel, we found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. I mean, they had been anticipating his coming. And so you can imagine the excitement. For me, uh, I accepted Jesus when I was 11 years old. Went to a summer camp, a summer uh, camp, a church camp, and God just started kind of working my hearts. And finally on that last night, uh, that Thursday night, we went home on Friday. It was a Monday through Friday camp. I just said, you know, if you'd like to accept Jesus as your Lord and as your personal Savior, uh, we're going to provide an opportunity. And I came down front and did that. And just the feeling in my heart, I've never forgotten. And I'm so thankful for that. And yet, unfortunately, like a lot of people, um, when I got off to college, I kind of wandered away from God. Now, thankfully, I still showed up at church on uh, Sunday mornings because I had a mom that we we talked most of the time, sometime on Sunday night or whatever. She'd ask me that one question that I needed to be asked. Did you go to church today, Greg? And I'm thankful that I had a mom that asked and that modeled that. I was 18, didn't live at home anymore, was fortunate to live in the Wildcat Lodge, and yet I'm thankful that I had a mother that modeled that and that she asked me and kept me accountable. But that's when my faith became my own. And I want to ask you today, though, um, you know, because I, I did drift from God. Unfortunately, um, just that one hour on Sunday was about God. The other 167 were about Greg Horn. And I definitely was drifting, but yet God planted seeds in my heart. And some of the scriptures that I've shared with you numerous times on Hope is Here were planted in my heart through Reverend Wayne Smith, the founding pastor of Southland Christian Church. But I did dip, drift from God and have taken some detours in my spiritual walk over the years. But I want to ask you, have you drifted from God? Have you drifted from God? It's easy to do, friends. I've been there. And I don't think anyone intentionally drifts from God. I don't think we just wake up and say, eh, you know, I think I'm just going to kind of separate from God and I mean, sometimes, of course, the enemy can get us to buy into that lie, but most of the time I've just seen it kind of be like the song that Casting Crowns had a few years ago was so powerful called Slow Fade, and it talked, it showed uh, the video, it went with the song, talking about people and how they become, you know, one drink becomes two and three, and then the whole bottle over a period of weeks, months, years, and then they have alcohol addiction, uh, pornography, uh adultery and a uh, adulterous relationship outside of marriage. I mean, it, it it's always kind of a slow fade, and that's kind of has, when we drift from God. Doesn't mean you're like sprinting from God, but you just kind of slowly drift. And my my friend Steve Idle, uh, who we're going to have on Hope is Here uh, next week, and I hope you'll listen to him. Uh, he has a great sermon that he did on about drifting from God, but he has this quote that he shared in the sermon when I heard it, uh, I think it was about seven years ago, and it said, one of the things I have learned is your heart is always either growing 
warmer towards God or colder moving away from God? I want to show that one more time. One of the things that I've learned is your heart is always either growing warmer towards God or colder moving away from God. Friends, I hope today that by listening to Hope is Here that your heart will be warmer towards God. And it's a beautiful thing uh, when we can just feel that peace that passes all understanding that a personal relationship with Jesus Christ provides and the Holy Spirit to help comfort us, to guide us and direct us. So in the little over a minute that we have uh, left today, I want to look, look, look at the question, what causes us to drift from God? Um, I may not get through the whole list today. I probably won't, but six things in my experience in my 50-plus years of life and over 40 years as a follower of Jesus. Number one, when we get too busy, which causes fatigue, uh, man, short my quiet times or uh, sometimes miss those because I'm tired and just staying too busy and I'm mentally, emotionally, and physically tired. Uh, secondly, TV, social media, man, we can easily just sit down and just veg out, as the old saying goes, and just mentally check out watching mindless TV programs, series on Netflix, or on social media. We're checking Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and next thing you know, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes have gone by and time that you could have spent with God. Um, the fourth thing is, uh, uh, just to be brutally honest, our relationship with Jesus sometimes is not a priority. So we do drift because it's not a priority. And the biggest one that I'll wrap up today's program with is I think what causes us to drift from God is life, the wounds that we suffer, the disappointments, and the setbacks. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, but we're going to look at how we can re-engage with a relationship with God when we've drifted from God and what we can learn from Philip. I'm Greg Horn, and this is Hope Is Here. Thank you for listening to Hope Is Here podcast. To listen to one of our previous programs or to make a tax-deductible donation, please go to our website, hopeishere.today. That's hopeishere.today. If you have been blessed by Hope Is Here, would you consider making a donation to help this ministry continue to reach thousands in Central Kentucky every day? It's simple and safe. Go to our website at hopeishere.today, where you can make a safe and secure online online donation, or you can find our address to mail a check. All donations are tax deductible and they are greatly appreciated. Please make your donation today at hopeishere.today. Again, that's hopeishere.today.